1: Comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Balance gives more of a connotation of equality, and I think harmony gives more of a connotation of equity. The more that we can get people connected to that and help them realize that their individual well-being is actually inextricably connected to our collective well-being, I think the more that we'll be able to shift from the attention economy to the intention economy. Parenting sits at the intersection of all of these other movements that are already happening. Parenting is the environment. It is women's rights. It is social justice. It's mindfulness. We never really touched on it because we talked about so many other things, but it is emotional intelligence and digital intelligence. It's ethical technology. It's conscious leadership. It sits at the intersection of all of those things. The more that we think of ourselves as stewards of life, and the more that we give life, the more life we receive. Homework is the inner work and outer work that you have to do to feel like you're at home.
0: Gabby Jubran is the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called Happy, H-A-P-P-I, helping awesome parents parent intentionally. He's also the Chief of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion for Digital Wellness Warriors. Born and raised in the Bay Area, he has always been saturated by technology and is now on a mission to align tech incentives with people's well-being. His inspiration came from watching his two-year-old niece play with an iPad, and ultimately realized the biggest impact would come from helping parents. He is a firm believer that creating a world where parents feel deeply connected to themselves, to their community, to the natural world, and to their children will naturally create more happiness everywhere. It was so nice to get to commune with Gabby um, here in my room. I was able to just really get a sense of you know, his gentleness, his softness, his kindness towards humanity. He, has a very palpable sense of racistness and carries this, this wisdom that, that I feel like I just wanna trust and lean into and soften around. And the way he's infusing uh, this, this mindset of being present within ourself and finding ways in which technology can help us to be a better parent and therefore be a better student and teacher of life, being a steward of life. That concept is just extremely cool. and I'm really grateful that I get to have intentional conversations like this one. I think he makes a really profound point about how fixing the individual problems will fix the collective problems. In the process, we'll be able to switch from an economy shaped around our attention, instead go to intention and intention is, is where so much of the the fruit lies. I really want to embody this metaphor of being a gardener, planting seeds, pruning as needed, but nurturing an ecosystem, planting myself in a community. It's just so clear to me how locally rooted I need to be in community to really allow for people of purpose to be all that it can be. So look for ways in which I become more locally rooted and Therefore, People of Purpose has more physical gatherings so that we can grow in this process together because we really do need each other to elevate ourselves to the people we're meant to become and therefore elevate the world to what it can become. I want to be a ripple of positive impact, as he talks about. Just allow for my power to change the rules, to shift the unwritten rules of culture, as he talks about. It's just my homework to always be paying attention to my inner and my outer world and really tapping into how I feel and doing the work necessary to feel at home in all the spaces in my life so that I'm the best, most purposeful person I can be for others. It's really gonna influence the way I parent and the way that I partner. I'm just so grateful that I have a platform in which I get to learn these things talk about these curiosities and have things I can reflect on over the week and months and years that are going to greatly impact my life and all those that come in contact with it. I hope that you get as much as I know I have already gotten and have faith will continue to get out of this interview with Gabby. I know you're going to enjoy this interview with today's personal purpose, Gabby Dubron. Hello, Gabby. Welcome to People of Purpose. So exciting to have you in my bedroom here.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. This has been a lovely day so far. Yeah, Yeah, it's just been great getting to know you better and excited for this interview.
0: So Gabby and I just, uh, we met up at the park, Dolores Park here in San Francisco, which has been my go-to spot near my neighborhood. And uh, yeah, we got introduced to each other through a comment through a previous people of purpose podcast guest andy dunn and a lot of the work that gabby does is really aligned with technology and well-being and those intersections around intentionality and mindfulness and i really like the conversation we've had so far and really excited to see it continue and become shaped around purpose um, for our discussion Uh, i wanted to start off asking you like what role do you see yourself personally playing in modeling purpose i know you do a lot of work around parenting so what do you have to give in this space to help parents become more purposeful?
1: I'll start off with uh, a definition I heard about leadership. Leadership is being yourself on purpose. Mm. And I love that because it doesn't mean that you have to be a CEO or, you know, some big hot shot that's perceived as, as a leader. You could be a janitor, you could be a teacher, you can be any any profession, and as long as you take it and make it your own and really express yourself through whatever it is that you're doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're being a leader, right? You're, you're, you're showing someone that they can they can take even the most mundane thing and make it purposeful. I think with me and, and the work that, that I've been doing, so to give people a little bit of context, I run a nonprofit called Happy. Which is an acronym, helping awesome parents parent intentionally. Mm-hmm. I myself, biologically, am not a parent. Really, this work was inspired by my nieces, and also the work that I've been doing caregiving for my mother, which, in in many ways, is like parenting. And a parent's job is inherently purposeful, right? You are you have responsibility for another life. You are a steward of life, right? And you know, with the lives that are you're now responsible for, it's really. I mean, you would almost be. Um, you want life to give more life. You don't want to take life away from life. You don't. You don't want to see it as a resource that's meant to be extracted. You want to see it as this thing that is abundant that can mm-hmm. give rise to more life. Right. And I think you know kind of to tie that into what's happening right now with with technology and a lot of the incentives that we see in, in in the current system many of these tools see us as resources and really their their intention isn't to make us be the best version of ourselves and help us be ourselves on purpose they're intended to they they see us as as commodities and resources that are meant to be extracted mm. And I think, you know, as a parent, the best way that you can show up for your kid is to be yourself on purpose.
0: So what's your connection to better parenting? I know that you talk about your niece. Could you give us the story about how your niece helped you to come into your sense of purpose and therefore now wanting to help parents to be their best self on purpose? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so... I, to give people some additional context here, I'm born and raised in the, in the Bay Area, like in the heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, My home is not too far from Facebook's mothership currently. And uh, I've always been kind of saturated by technology and that's, you know, without judgment, that's neither good nor bad. And I knew that I would, once I finished college, likely fall back into working in tech because I could live at home and and save money and I could also work in tech and make money.
0: (laughs) Um, Wow, amazing. Brilliant. (laughs) Just like every mid-20 year old. (laughs) And uh, our parents would be proud.
1: I think they are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in the course of of working in tech I worked in a job right after school and for three years I did well I got promoted I was successful, you know, I was making $150,000 a year. Amazing, right? I never thought that would be the case like three or four years out of school. Right. And on paper, like, yes, check, check, check. All the boxes are being ticked. Three years into a little over three years into that first job out of school, I burnt myself out badly. I was being a people pleaser, giving way too much of myself without filling my own cup back up. Mm. In a really toxic sales environment, Uh, I was a salesperson, by the way, Uh, (laughs) you know, not knowing how to process or channel any of the emotions or stress that I was experiencing, my body was like, hey, what are you doing? You're really not taking care of me or yourself in any way right now. And I was getting these burning pains in my stomach just from, from too much stress. Basically, physiologically, what was happening was My stomach and my esophagus were constricting, and the acid from my stomach was burning the lining of my esophagus.
0: And that's a metaphor for what was actually going on in your life at the time, too. Basically, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I had all these grand visions of actually going with my job to live in Australia. And I was like, you know, I just need to get away from the Bay Area. That's going to be my, what's really going to help me. My body was like, nope, that's not what you're doing. And so I quit my job. I I went, I went traveling for about six months to Europe, to South America. I came back and I was like, I'm going to work in tech again, but I'm going to not live at home anymore. And that will help some of my stress level, you know, build a home for myself in San Francisco, Mm a bunch of other stories. But, you know, I kind of found myself hitting a similar point. I didn't physiologically feel the pain, but I, I anticipated it and I kind of sensed what was, was happening. And I was like, You know, what am I doing? Well, I'm selling products to some business so they can optimize some function of their business so they can sell more products to another business, to a consumer business. To what end? Why? Like, What's the point?
0: So you're reflecting a lot on the impact you were having. Yeah,
1: totally. And I I knew that like at the end of the day, I was a number on a spreadsheet. And if I didn't meet a specific number, they likely would not be keeping me around. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know... That's not necessarily anything to do with the company itself, but more the culture that I was working in like around right. me, the larger broad tech culture. Mm-hmm. And around that time, I, you know come home on weekends to uh, spend time with my family and to take care of my niece and I saw that she's had an I mean she's had an iPad in her hand since like one and a half, which is not uncommon these days right. And what starts off very innocently is going on YouTube to learn animal sounds or ABCs very quickly by way of autoplay recommended video feeds turns into sponsored content for, you know, toys and candy and chocolate and Play-Doh and like really all the sugar your eyes could ever want. I like to say it's literal eye candy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's at best. You know, there's wow. some really dark holes of YouTube that kids can get down where in order to generate views, people will, you know, just put in keywords that they know are going to show up in the recommended video feeds. They'll take the kids' favorite characters and they'll have them do like nef- nefarious things and like it's really pernicious content.
0: Oh my.
1: So that's like... And you're just observing this over her shoulder? Yeah. And I just saw all this happening and I was like, whoa. Whoa not okay i have to do something about this you know i i i love this being more than anything there i feel like i have to do something with this i can make better content than that you know i I think i mentioned you originally my plan was to create children's content make it so that it was fun and friendly and engaging and parents would want to actually watch it with their kids right right? and i was was going for new age multicultural mr rogers for the internet (laughs) Or Happy Gabby, More,
0: uh, yeah, culture, Happy Gabby, yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, as I was mentioning, as I started going down the path, and I was really intending to do that, I started realizing, like, okay, if I love this being so much, how come I don't love myself like that? Mm. And in the process of really reflecting and thinking about what what my intention was, and in, in putting that kind of content out there. I started to ask myself, was is this actually going to have the biggest impact? I you know, really, over the course of a few months, came to a decision that no, it wouldn't. It wasn't going to have the same impact that I really want to have. And it's because the problem that I was noticing is a symptom of a much larger problem, which is the attention economy. The fact that businesses can make money by sapping your attention and that you are seen as a resource that's meant to be extracted and I can make money off of that. Yeah. And so, in getting to that under level of understanding, I, I realized that it was more important to focus on educating parents, helping them take better care of their own well being, really help them focus on building more meaningful community, helping them understand that when you reclaim your attention and you focus on your own sense of self and making conscious choices, that actually has a massive ripple effect. Not only does that impact you and your relationship with your child but that can impact your community and earth.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that you already, your acronym is H-A-P-P-I, and the first A is awesome. So you already call the parents awesome in your acronym. Like, can you talk more about that mindset? Like, why do you come in with that mindset that parents are already awesome?
1: Mm. That is a very good observation. Uh, You know, most people don't call out to that. I think it kind of uh, flips the current thinking what we're told and this comes at us from so many different angles and technology is really a magnifier of this it isn't trying to tell you that you are not enough as a person to right. begin with but it will magnify those messages that are already out there there are tons of them hey you know what you, you you need this thing in your life and let me tell you why because you're not enough for these reasons and wouldn't you want to be more like this mm-hmm. um and so I think the name Happy, Helping Awesome Parents Parent Intentionally, it tells you everything that you need to know or maybe perhaps rediscover about yourself Mm. in that, well, what is it that we're doing? We're helping. Who? Awesome Parents. Because you are enough as a person to begin with and you want to grow and become a better version of yourself and we want to help you with that. Mm Mm-hmm. How are we doing that? By parenting intentionally. When? All the time. Where? Everywhere. Why? Because of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's what we want for ourselves and, and for our kids. Right. And, uh, you know, there was a 75-year Harvard uh, research study that came out a few years ago on happiness. And and the, the, the major finding that they found was that, the people who live the the longest most fulfilling and happy and purposeful lives were the ones who had the most meaningful relationships in their lives
0: yeah yeah i remember reading that yeah
1: and so it's you know kind of shifting people out of a mindset of scarcity of you know i am an individual or my family needs to be taken care of and You know, we need to collect as many resources for ourselves as possible into, well, I'm just, you know, one part of this large ecosystem, right? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a unique individual and I'm going to be most happy when I can be myself and contribute to something much bigger than myself.
0: Right. And in this sense... Connecting that the Harvard finding of relationships and connecting with something bigger, that's where parents kind of come in. It's like, this is your chance to have this really meaningful, engaging relationship with another human, your child, and together work towards making a more purposeful world. Yes, and
1: also having meaningful relationships with people in my community. Right. You know, I think, kind of again, coming from this mindset of scarcity, we're. We're in competition with one another um, where, oh, well, my kid has to check all of these boxes and they have to go to this school and they're going to do piano and swimming and they're going to do all of these things. And that way, look, it'll be quantifiable. Look, I can prove that my kid is successful and therefore I am successful as a parent. Right. Right. (laughs) And, you know, it connects to what we're seeing now in social media where people kind of want to put out the highlights, the, the movie trailer of their life. Right. Right. And this is look at all these amazing things that I'm doing. And, you know, inside is, is that also how you're feeling? Hmm. And I think by building more meaningful relationships with the people around you, it helps you realize like, Oh, these are just fellow human beings and they struggle with some of the right. same things that I do. And some of them have more wisdom than I do in, in areas of their life. And I have wisdom in, in parts of my life based on the experiences that I've gone through, right? Mm-hmm. Their kid's a few years younger than mine. And so I have a bunch of uh, amazing tools and tips and maybe even extra like resources like a, a crib or you know things that I don't use anymore that I can give to this
0: person, right? So it's like humbling yourself to be that student of life, of your relationships and community, but also... Elevating you and empowering you to also be a teacher.
1: Yes, absolutely. Everyone is a student and everyone is a teacher. Yeah. And someone who's, a, you're a teacher, right? Or uh, you know. I'm both
0: this year. I'm yeah. a graduate school student and a teacher in yeah. middle school. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like more obvious than ever to you right now, right? And not even in the program itself that with the specific curriculum and the way that you're learning and, and being taught. You're also learning a ton from the students, right? Oh, okay. They're constantly whether or not consciously doing it, they're teaching you things.
0: Oh yeah. I wrote like a pretty extended blog post on this when I was teaching in Thailand. If anyone wants to, to read that, it's on the Student of the world blog that I had there. but essentially like that's how I got like culturally assimilated in Thailand was through my students. I moved there by myself. I had like a four or five day orientation and then all of a sudden I was just there. <laughs> and my students were how I learned how to say things, how I learned what was normal, what was, what was taboo to be doing. And I had to like pick up what level of English they were at because I was given no curriculum or lessons. I just had to make it all up as I went. It was very humbling. <laughs> yeah. So like my first like month was just like find out as much as I can from my students. Like where are they at? Like what are they what are they hungry to learn what excites them what engages them? I mean in that process like I became a much better contributor to my community and I felt like I, I earned my way into being in those spaces rather than like impressing upon them some sort of like ivory tower of knowledge or whatever like, I'm the English master right. no that's like to teach English into like a different culture you need to understand so much of like what's going on in their minds do they like working in partners and groups or do they need to work individually do they like things that engage their creativity and sense of expression or do they want to be more like quantifiable and rigid and logical and like different cultures have different ideas of those, those things on top of just the fact that they're an eastern-minded culture so they learn in community and they want to talk about food Yeah, those sort of things. I mean, I want to talk about food, too. (laughs) (laughs) But here we want to talk about progress and career and, like, individual, like, trajectory or whatever. And I feel like the discussions there were less about that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're getting to a really critical, there's a critical point that you're making in there, which is, there are, here there is this sense of, like, structure, goals, linear path towards success Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of the technology that we have now is designed in that way right it's very logic and reason oriented this is the structure this is the goal of this particular tool or technology and going back to like eastern-minded culture you know you mentioned community you mentioned basic human things like food and (laughs) nature right yes the the people who are designing these tools that we have now they have really wonderful intentions
0: but yeah the marketing is solid
1: yeah and they have good marketing yeah (laughs) Uh, a lot of them have really wonderful intentions i won't say all of them and they're also very disconnected from from land and from community and disconnected from their bodies right those things are much more subjective. They're not objective. Mm. They're more nuanced. It's more of a dance, you right. know. <laughs> you know, really, it's it's a fluid thing. It's not a solid thing, which you know that r- reminds me of another point. I feel like we need to change. You know how we say there are um, there are hard skills and soft skills. Mm-hmm. I think you know soft has kind of a negative connotation to it. Why don't we call them solid skills and fluid skills? Both are really important, you know, and so one is more objective and one's more subjective, but you need both.
0: Right. Yeah, I know that you mentioned on the site when I was doing my research that you want to help parents get deeply connected to themselves, the community, the natural world. So, and you also mentioned about emotional and digital intelligence. What's that intersection about? How do you... Mm. You connect all those things, especially emotional and digital intelligence. That would be an example of a fluid skill, potentially. Can you elaborate?
1: Yeah. Uh, basically, I have all of the answers and everything is figured out. and You just need to listen to me. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I'm here to say that I don't know what's right for you as an individual. And I'm not here to tell you what's right for you as an individual. I think the current model is like this is the way that you do things and and this is how you can do this thing. And it's like, well, actually that may not work for me based on my culture, my experience, Mm -hmm. traumas that I've experienced in my life. So many things, Right. right? I think that the more that we can connect to ourselves first and kind of the experiences that we've had in our own lives and what sort of patterns we're seeing in terms of how we're showing up in the world, and not judging ourselves or shaming ourselves, but again coming from a place of curiosity, right? And saying like, "Huh, I wonder why this keeps happening, right? What is it that keeps putting me in this situation where I meet a person who is not, you know, supporting me in a good way, or?" I keep finding myself getting really frustrated or reactive in this situation. Let me think about that and figure out how to shift that into something more positive. It may be a story that I'm telling myself, right? Mm. A self-limiting belief that I have about myself. Oh, yeah. We're all characters in our own narratives. Totally. Yeah. And I am someone who's still working through a bunch of self-limiting beliefs about myself, right? It's, It's an ongoing process. But I think so much of it is is about being kind and compassionate towards yourself. And the more that you can do that, the more it opens you up and cultivates more awareness for yourself of like, I see another person who is treating another person wrong instead of, you know, having a really negative reaction going like, man, I wonder what's going on in that person's life that they got to this point where they're huh. treating another person this way, Right really just about focusing on that, that curiosity. And, you know, sometimes it is justified to get involved in a situation and break something up. And you have to really cultivate more discernment as opposed to judgment. And I think that takes time. It takes experience. It takes really being in tune with what's happening and, and drawing from previous experiences that you've had to, to use that
0: discernment. So when you see like when a parent sees their child engaging in activities that they wish they weren't doing on the internet, what should that parent's response be? What should their mindset be before as they're approaching the situation?
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to prescribe anything, but I think a generally a good rule of of thumb is to open up a comfortable space where you can ask questions and really learn why. Your kid might be looking at the things that they're looking at or playing the games that they're playing and really try to understand what's happening in their world. And I think one of the reasons that parents are really struggling right now with technology, and we all are, we're all struggling right now with the the current design of technology is in generally speaking with parenting, you want to create good boundaries with your kids Mm -hmm. and especially in, in the early stages of their development, give them limited choices. You want them to still have choice, but a limited amount of them. Mm-hmm. And when you give a child technology, all of a sudden there are zero boundaries and mm-hmm. unlimited choices. Right. And you can feel pretty unsafe in that kind of environment. You don't know that you're necessarily getting into the deep end until you're already in it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> And so I think if you you come with that kind of understanding and really not that place of reactivity and judgment and like, hey, I'm going to turn off this game or, you know, you better put that thing away or I'm shutting down all of your devices. Mm-hmm. Your kid isn't going to necessarily know why that's bad because they were enjoying whatever thing it was that they were doing. And they're thinking, okay, well my parent just doesn't get me or doesn't get it. I'm going to find another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I enjoy that thing, whatever it is. Right. And so I think again, the more curious you are, the more you're asking questions, the more you can get to a place of understanding. And instead of looking at the symptom of what's happening, really get to, to the root of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And right? you're saying like, oftentimes our children are mirroring a problem we have within ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I would also completely agree with that. Oftentimes going back to everyone's a student and everyone's a teacher, your kid is probably teaching you a lesson in some way. And you may not necessarily be, have your, you know, your perception opened up enough to be able to pick up on what it is that's trying to come through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Really, within each person, not just parents, we are all ultimately looking to balance the, the parent-child relationship within ourselves.
0: Wow. Yeah. Do you know who Jay Shetty is? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've been really inspired by him the last two years. He's educated me on a lot of these topics, I feel like, through mm-hmm. his videos and stuff. But he makes this distinction between... He says, like, intelligence is like the parent of the mind. It says like you need to like give up this this thing that you really want to do so you can have what you actually like know that you want to have. It's like that self-discipline thing. And then there's the child mind, which is like, oh, this feels good. I want to do this. And balancing those two is, uh, yeah, it's you're a parent and a child in your own mind all the time. Totally. I think it's pretty interesting conundrum we face within ourselves. It's like an <laughs> internal split we have. And then we're supposed to also know how to parent a child who has their own sense of that going on right
1: and they're a unique being and they Um, don't operate in the way that you do necessarily they might have aspects of you within within them but it doesn't mean they're a carbon copy of you right and you know you're not the owner of that child right they're a they're a sovereign being themselves and you're you're meant to build a meaningful relationship and guide and mentor this child Mm -hmm. but ultimately they're going to make their own mistakes and and learn from those mistakes. And, you know, you need to be there and hold space for them and support them while they are learning and growing and learn from that yourself.
0: reminds me of this uh, concept of conscious parenting that Dr. Shivali talks about. Mm -hmm. And I know she has this quote, it says, the child has been called forth to show the parent where the parent has yet to grow. We talked a little bit before this interview about, this, this concept. Do you think children have a special role in showing us this mirror to our undeveloped self? And what do you think we need to do to fulfill this, to close this gap and um, stop using our children to fulfill this idealized version of ourselves
1: hmm. that we're
0: projecting onto them? Yeah. Wow.
1: That's a deep one. is a deep question. Yeah. I'm interested. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yes. I think, you know, going back to what we were saying as, as mirrors for ourselves, oftentimes, when a kid is throwing a tantrum or having a rough time, really it's, it's a call out for attention and presence mm. in some capacity. They need you to be there to comfort and calm them down, not say, hey, I'm going to put you on time out because you're not acting the way that I want you to act. Mm. And I think it's something that's kind of been conditioned into us from you know as young an age as we were able to you know receive information i think it's been pretty commonplace that you know if you do this then this is going to happen if you get an a then i'm going to go take you out for ice cream but if you you know break this thing well now you're going to be punished you're going to be in timeout, and Mm -hmm. it's always this perpetual carrot or stick type of motivation along the ladder of success and I say success in quotations, which people can't <laughs> see.
0: I saw it. <laughs> you saw
1: it. You were there. And I think the more that we can understand that developmentally, this kid can't necessarily process and and understand that what they're doing is being perceived as wrong is something that like we need to to take to heart. And <laughs> And it's like, oh, their prefrontal cortex isn't developed yet. And so we know that this child developmentally cannot understand. And the fact that they're freaking out right now also means that they're not going to be able to learn whatever it is that I'm trying to teach them now in this moment.
0: Right. Oh yeah. That's a true thing. The amygdala.
1: Yeah. You know, the fight or flight sense of thing system. And so if a child is feeling their feelings, we have to let them feel their feelings, right? And that's something that we need to learn from as well, because oftentimes we trap up our own feelings because, you know, we don't necessarily feel like we're in a safe space or comfortable space to be vulnerable and share that. The more that you can model that it's okay for a kid to feel those feelings, I think the more that it's going to serve both of your relationships. And, you know, I think I mentioned it to you before. I think I see a lot of my work and running workshops. It's about creating spaces that are comfortable enough for people to feel uncomfortable.
0: Mm, It's a nice paradox. It's a nice paradox, right? And I think... Creating spaces that are comfortable enough for people to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. What does that look like?
1: Well, I, I think it's about, you know, at first setting an intention for the space. You know, having a baseline of, of agreements with the people that you're there with you know the, these are the reasons why we're here one of the ones that i love is one of the baseline agreements is can we agree to be kind and not nice
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what i what we mean by that is sometimes people will just be nice in order to avoid an uncomfortable situation or conversation mm-hmm. and you know just kind of be passive about it but if we can understand that we're, we're here to get outside of our comfort zones and grow a little bit and if we're, we're kind in and how we go about approaching that
0: right
1: we we're all going to be better off as a result of that that doesn't mean we're not going to have an uncomfortable conversation but that's okay that's what this container is for
0: hmm. yeah i like that hey guys this is your people of purpose podcast host tanner badgley do you want to get a short email from me Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that personalizes your path of purpose? The POP newsletter, because people of purpose, is a very short email where I share with you the most interesting things I've recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life each week to more personally and purposefully pursue my purpose. It will include a short update on how my podcast is helping me grow into my purpose, a quote that's been on my mind. From a purposeful resource such as a podcast, book, video, or mentor, as well as a nugget of advice from my experience on how to better align and optimize your life for your purpose. And finally, I'll try to share inspiration with you on how one of our listeners is benefiting from People of Purpose. So please take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com. You don't even need to write a message, just include in the subject header, People of Purpose Newsletter. And you'll receive the very next one. Here's to becoming people of purpose. And then what role does technology play in this same concept about, like you mentioned offline with me that technology has allowed us to feel so comfortable that we can get something done really quickly. But then what are we doing with that time? We're just consuming more comfort. Mm -hmm. What sort of disruption do you hope to play in this, in the technology space around comfort? I yeah, I was mentioning to you that a lot of these tools, they're absolutely designed for comfort
1: because comfort is something that you can quantify and measure and you Mm -hmm. can make products and services out of comfort, you know, especially if I'm telling you that you're not enough as a person to begin with, Mm. right? And well, have I got the thing for you, this tool, it's going to save you all this time and you need this in your life, right? And Mm -hmm. I can market it well and I can scale it really well because people feel more comfortable, this quote that I love, which is the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Wow. And as someone who is constantly being surrounded by comfort, just be thoughtful with it. Is is this comfort serving me and creating more space and time for myself to grow in other aspects of my life and be more of the person that I aspire to be? Mm hmm. You know, we, we live in an age of information and ultimately information is comfortable. You can consume endless amounts of information and never have to do anything with it. You could be the most well-informed person on the planet. Yeah. Right. And never have to fail. Like, oh, I know about every little thing. Right. Transformation. Transformation is uncomfortable. It requires taking that information, then discerning whether or not it serves you some way, mm-hmm. in some way. And then integrating it into your life,
0: yeah.
1: which is not necessarily a linear process either. And so, you know, that's that's one of the things that when I'm holding a workshop, I say, like, look, I, I'm not here to give you information. You can get information until you know, your head explodes full of information, right? I'm not here for that. I'm here to help you with transformation, right? And wow. that's, that's going to look different for each individual person based on who, who they are and where they are.
0: their life what's an activity you would put someone do in a workshop
1: uh yeah so uh i have kind of like a a set of activities that i kind of meld together one is a a little mindfulness practice around partnering up with someone and for a few minutes just talking about what brings you joy Mm -hmm. so you're one person is talking one person is listening you, you know, you're, you're looking at the other person in the eye and you're just like listening to them talk about what brings them joy. And you could just see like the smile radiating from their face as they're calling up more things that bring them joy. Then you switch. And then after the at- activity is over, you now have like this list of things that you've recalled that bring you joy. Yeah. And so I then help them think about how they want to take those things that bring them joy and integrate them in into their life. In all aspects of their life, whether it's, you know, work, love, play, or health, and all of those things, really. There's a great program and book as well now through the Stanford Design Lab about designing your life.
0: Got it right here. There it is. Wow, there's the
1: workbook. (laughs) And they, you know, they talk... I, yeah,
0: I did this <laughs> years ago. It was excellent. I knew but, you were about to say that. Just to work, yeah, you just said the work, you love health dashboard or whatever. Yeah,
1: exactly. You, you were actually grabbing the book before I even brought it up. And yeah, they talk about how work-life balance is a false dichotomy. Right. Right? Maybe it made sense during the Industrial Revolution period where there were very clearly defined boundaries between work and life. But now it's blurred. The lines are blurred and life is work. So Mm -hmm. like, what does that even mean? And so really I, I help people think about designing their lives by, by integrating more of what brings them joy and helping them understand that they have agency that they can incorporate more of themselves into whatever aspects of their life that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Help them be themselves on purpose more, more frequently.
0: This is definitely key to transformation, like recognizing your agency and doing things on purpose afterwards, like with a sense of greater consciousness over what does awaken you and bring you alive and help you to find connection and flow and joy and all these things we're always after. There's ways to reflect on them and then put more of them into your life. Right. And then measure, reflect on that progress and continue to optimize. So if you do want to come from like that whole solid skills, like tech sort of paradigm, you you can apply it to mm-hmm. designing your life. I think that they kind of prove that. Totally. Instant gratification's not
1: necessarily a bad thing if it's leading right. towards delayed gratification.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's another paradox.
1: <laughs> Again what am I doing with the comfort that is, you know, that I am grateful for that's being given to me? One, am I aware that this is amazing that I have these comforts? And two, if I am aware of that, am I grateful that I have it? And now that I'm grateful for it, what am I doing with this, this time and space that I'm being afforded by it? Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the importance of, of solid skills and fluid skills, there's an amazing analogy about parenting called The Gardener and the Carpenter.
0: Okay, yeah, what is
1: that? Yeah, I'd love to share it. So this is, it's a book that was written by a researcher at Berkeley. Her name's Allison Gopnik. What I find with carpenters, and I feel like there's certainly a lot of carpenter parents in the Bay Area, you know, they have a vision for this house that they want to build. They're very meticulous about executing on that vision. They make a blueprint for it, They measure twice, they cut once, they can control every single variable of how the house looks like on the inside and on the outside. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, you know, once I finish building this house, I'll be so happy. I'll finish this project that I had in my mind, this vision. And I think generally what happens with strictly carpenter parents is one of two things. They build the house and it doesn't turn out quite the way they want it because they're human and they're imperfect. And so they're disappointed in the house that they (laughs) built. that's sad it is sad they built a house they built a house that's amazing yeah (laughs) the other general generally the situation that'll come about is you built the house and that's all it is it's a house and not a home the foundation isn't rooted in anything right you made a kid who checked all the boxes and did all the things and you know on the surface like wow it's this beautiful house but once you get inside you're like hmm this doesn't feel right. I don't. I don't feel at home in this place.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: don't have an intimate connection with your kid anymore. Mm-mm. That's it, sad. That it is. It's also very sad. <laughs> now, a gardener, on the other hand, plants a seed in the ground. Mm. And in the case of a parent, you don't even know what the seed is going to grow into. You've basically planted an anonymous seed. What you want to do is create an environment for that seed to flourish. Make sure it's getting plenty of sunlight and water and nutrients. Right. And you want to prune some of the leaves and branches, but from a place of love and not out of fear, really for the future flourishing and growth and development of this plant. And you also have to humbly accept that there's so much that's out of your control. The weather, birds and bugs that are nibbling away at my plant. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there are all these roots underneath the ground, and I can't see them, but they're sharing nutrients with all the other plants around it. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And so ultimately... What's more important than you tending to your individual plant is the ecosystem. If the ecosystem is healthy, your plant will be healthy. So to me, community is the most important thing. In the communities that I've been a part of, there can be a lot of toxicity and more of the sense that carpentry is more important and we need to focus on building more things. Right. But if you think about a gardener, they're not thinking about when they're finished gardening, they're enjoying the process of gardening. Hmm. And the more time they spend in the garden, the more attuned they become to the needs of the garden. Hmm. Right. So that's not to say that carpentry is bad. Like we need carpentry and good carpentry can actually facilitate more growth. Mm -hmm. Right. But like to give a concrete example here, if you were really interested in learning to play the guitar, right? mm-hmm. there is a carpentry style structure and way for you to get better at like learning how to play the guitar. But as a parent, I'm not going to tell you what songs you need to play. Right. Right. You want to, you want that kid to kind of naturally, grow and be like ooh, this one this yeah. one would be really cool or maybe you have songs that you like to listen to and you play them when you're around your kid and maybe they decide they want to play that song mm-hmm. right that you love right but again that's their decision right and so you know again it's it's about finding harmony between those two things i don't necessarily always like to use the word balance because i think the word balance can give the connotation of like oh wait i'm not I'm not straight, I'm teetering i need to I need to do more of this one. Wait, no wait, need to do more of this one and I think um so you know balance gives more of a connotation of equality, and I think harmony gives more of a connotation of equity and, and making I never sure I
0: heard that how how equity what,
1: because when when something that's coming into harmony you're you're doing all the right amounts of those things and they're all they're they're feeding into each other really nicely,
0: yeah. I can see how that's equitable now because you're providing the equal, like, access to opportunity that that certain kid needs. So it's, like, personalized to their needs and allows the parenting to take care of itself. It doesn't have to be this, like, blanket solution It's designed for your child to access their inner self, bring that forward. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean we can even look at it from the context of the education system, right? It's, you know, in theory, in theory equal, right? And mm-hmm. we say, you know, an analogy that I might use here is like we say, Hey, everyone gets a free pair of shoes. And, you know, initially you would think that's great, but if those shoes don't match my foot size and my style, like, it's just a pair of shoes. Like mm-hmm. what am I gonna do with it?
0: Right. Right? We, right. we we want
1: something that's more equitable.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're always talking about that in the education program I'm taking because I'm working in communities that haven't received equitable education for generations, and it's a huge problem, definitely. Yeah. What role do you think technology is having at creating more equitable solutions to better parenting? <sighs> hmm. I think it's almost like inherently
1: inequitable (laughs) here's a here's a perfect example of this for me like based on the data that they're collecting on me and what sort of interests that i have when i go on youtube and watch a video i might see an ad for a meditation retreat or maybe some like all birds shoes or (laughs) you you know some kind of you know wellness program or whatever it is whereas you go to a kid in a um a low-income community, a food desert, they're getting ads for Jack in the Box and McDonald's and all of these things that are not good for them. Right. Right? And just because of that person's circumstances and what sort of things they're kind of baited into clicking, they're going down this, like, negative feedback loop of being fed more unhealthy things for themselves. Whereas, like, I'm... Even though I don't necessarily want those ads, I'm still getting reinforced this idea of like meditation and like making sure that I feel good and, you know, all these things that are ultimately beneficial for my well-being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think in, in the current system that the attention economy, it's you you can't really necessarily create something that's equitable.
0: Hmm. That's
1: a good answer. Yeah. And I think we can move away from it. Right. I think really the core of my work and the way I see this is parents are the biggest agents of change, whether or not they think about it that way yet.
0: But, you know, if we really want... You're saying in our culture, parents are the biggest agents of change?
1: I think generally speaking, right? They're stewards of life. I think that parents, not only are they connected to the education system the workplace where they spend their money is really impactful whether it's uh, philanthropic or it informs um, our
0: political decisions too
1: it, yeah it informs so many things people can vote with their dollars people mm-hmm. vote every day they don't necessarily think about it that way mm-hmm. but parents have a ton of the purchasing power in terms of what's happening moms especially especially moms yes definitely if we want these systems to create more products and services that support our well-being. Then we, as individuals, have to prioritize our own well, uh, self-care and well-being.
0: Right.
1: So that the system goes, oh, well, there's actually demand for this now. There's a market for it. Let's start creating more products and services that support that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, especially mm-hmm. here in San Francisco, you know, there's a reason that there's yoga studios everywhere and spaces for meditation that are creeping up all over the place and soul cycles and vegan and vegetarian restaurants is because there's enough demand that was built where it became economically viable to start producing those things right uh, and, and and making sure that they can stay afloat in this area um the same thing is starting to happen with technology now yeah where people recognize that well, you know, my privacy is important to me. You know, we have the GDPR that came about in Europe, which has, you know, much stricter regulations on in terms of uh, how we manage people's data. People are understanding that their attention is valuable. And just because something is free doesn't mean that you're not paying for, paying for it with your valuable attention. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, who you are as a person is based on where you place your attention and what memories you're able to keep and hold on to. Hmm. And so the more that we can get people connected to that and help them realize that their individual well-being is actually inextricably connected to our collective well-being, I think the more that we'll be able to shift from the attention economy to the intention economy.
0: Wow. That is profound, what you just said. (laughs) I really want to unpack some of that stuff. So... That was excellent. I, thank you very much. This is like one of the top reasons I continue to have a podcast is how what I get to think about. That It's not every day you hear someone spout this profundity like you're able to do right now for me. So thank you. <laughs> well,
1: thank you for placing your attention on people of purpose.
0: <laughs> so you made this statement at the end of it. You said like our individual well-being is like inextricably tied to our collective well-being. And that's the key to shifting from... The attention economy to the intention economy. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I said that.
0: (laughs) That's pretty smart. (laughs) First off, can you do the first half of that? How is the individual well-being so tied into the collective well-being? And then just, I'll ask it again, but just so I don't forget, Mm -hmm. what's the difference between an attention economy and intention economy? Yeah. An individual's well-being, you know, again, I think
1: it comes from the perspective of not seeing a person as a resource that's meant to be extracted mm-hmm. and operating from a place of scarcity where oh i need i need this i need more of this i need to to hold on to this and keep it in reserve but seeing somebody as a valuable resource that is actually able to create a ripple of impact right i may not be able to quantify it but i know that a person who is happy And being the best version of themselves is having a positive influence and impact on all the people around them. Whether or not it's a a child, it could just be people that they work with or people in their community. By spending more time on caring for yourself, it gives you the energy that you need to focus your attention on and cultivate more awareness on some of the larger problems that we have.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That can serve everyone.
0: Yes, I right. 100%. Yeah. And,
1: you know, maybe I won't, I don't see see that impact happening in another country, but maybe somebody that I positively influence traveled somewhere. They went to Thailand, they went to Cambodia. They took some of what they got that was inspired by something that I had learned from somebody else, and they used that to positively impact another community. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the analogy of, of an ecosystem each part of the ecosystem is is serving the whole right mm-hmm. as long as it's healthy right, right? if it's toxic if it's uh, if it's got a disease then it's actually sucking life out of of the ecosystem mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean that the ecosystem can't be resilient and support itself and and, and continue to thrive eventually but if all that's being funneled into that ecosystem is poison and toxicity. The whole thing is going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you look at a person's body, right. If my body is an ecosystem, right. And it's got (laughs) trillions of bacteria and organs in it. And you know, all, all of these things that help produce life. If one part of it is not, being the best version of itself it actually impacts all the other parts of it
0: right yeah and then it it takes our attention
1: and then it takes your attention right and your body is going hey this part of you is in pain you need to give this attention and we go well no i actually have to do this thing i'm focused on this you know i'm stuck in my head right my body is over time not getting the the love and care and support that it needs to be a better version of itself.
0: We need to nurture ourselves.
1: Yes. 100%. So in whatever, whether you look at it from the micro level or the macro level, it's a fractal. The more that you you take care of yourself first, the more that has a ripple effect and impacts everything else. When it comes to, especially your body, if you're having a pain somewhere, that is your body telling you, hey... This part of you needs some love and a care and attention. And when you give it that, it will give you that part of your attention back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you can focus it on something else that needs more of your love and care and attention. Yeah,
0: like we can say that we care about the well-being of the universe and all these things. But if we have low back pain, all of a sudden it's like, uh-uh, I'm not solving the world's problems today. I got to fix my low back. Exactly. You have to
1: actually embody what it is that you believe
0: mm-hmm.
1: right i think that's that's the key to conscious leadership and it, you know going back to parenting mm. parenting sits at the intersection of all of these other movements that are already happening parenting is the environment it is women's rights it is social justice it's mindfulness we never really touched on it because we talked about so many other things but it is emotional intelligence and digital intelligence it's ethical technology. It's conscious leadership. It sits at the intersection of all of those things. And so, you know, really, I say this work is for parents, but really it's for everyone. And the more that we think of ourselves as stewards of life and the more that we give life, the more life we receive.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that concept. The more we give life, the more life we, we receive. So my second question that I want to ask, how does it tie into that? that? That seems to be getting at the intention, I-N, intention. Mm-hmm. So this all that you just described is key to shifting from an attention economy to an intention economy. Yeah. What What does that shift look like and what does intention mean to you?
1: That's a fantastic question. I'll start with what intention means to me. I heard this wonderful definition. On a Facebook Live of all things, right? Again, further proving that technology has ripples of impact, whether that's good or bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, again, depends on how it's used. The intentions of the people creating the technology or using the technology. So this definition for intention. Intention is the pervasive force that guides your awareness. I'll repeat that. Intention is the pervasive force that guides your awareness so what that means is everyone on some level is being intentional but if you lack awareness you could be doing harm to others to the planet to yourself in the long term or maybe even potentially to yourself in the short term And so the more that you're able to cultivate awareness, the more you can mitigate these unintended consequences that come from your actions or from technology or whatever it is that we're looking Mm -hmm. at. And so I think the key to cultivating that awareness and something that I've been, you know, kind of making a point of, uh, is curiosity. Again, asking yourself instead of using judgment or reacting in a situation, okay, why, why might this be happening, right? Whether it's in my life, someone else's life, what I'm seeing in the world, right? why? Mm-hmm. Really leaning into that and helping you cultivate more awareness. And I think the more that people can cultivate that awareness, the more intentional they are with not only how they live their lives, but how they design their spaces, uh, how we design technology. And, you know, what reminders am I giving to myself in my life What sort of practices am I creating? And habits, right?
0: Habits determine your life, for sure. Mm -hmm. And the habits are informed by the stimuli you put around you. The relationships you give power to. Visuals you put in your life. What you listen to. Yeah. And then all of that determines what you output. And then what you output determines the reality you get to live in. And then what you tell yourself that reality means to you, that's what it means to you. Like, yeah, we're creating our own truth of reality all the time. And especially as a parent, it's very important. I can see why that would be very important that you pay close attention to that because you're going to create a reality for your child that may not be aligned to what they want their reality to be. When you forever have a disconnect with your child, and that can be a source of eternal sadness for people.
1: Yeah, not only eternal sadness, but actually really destroy the environment around them
0: yeah, yeah then, it was, then it has that ripple in society.
1: if i'm really struggling and i'm going to some sort of instant gratification to fill this void that i have in my life that could be i could lose that void if i could just fill it with meaning and purpose and the ability to have spaces where i can be myself
0: so how are we supposed to to help kids to reach those things at a young age Well,
1: we need to create systems and spaces and environments where people feel like it is okay and these kids feel like it is okay to explore themselves and to be curious and to have boundaries around those environments that they can explore so that they feel safe. Mm -hmm. so that they're actually learning and and processing more of the information that they're taking in and also listening to the kids themselves and understanding what might if they are feeling unsafe what is it what is it that's making them feel unsafe and how can we make that environment safe
0: so what role do you have as a parent to cultivate the spaces that or the ecosystems your child is planted in, like you get to choose the school they go to, you get to choose to tell them what friends that they can or can't hang out with, you get to choose, you know, their bed, you get to choose so much for them, like. And obviously, it's important to have structure in a child's life. So, mm-hmm. how do you balance all that? And I know you don't even like the word I... balance. How do you harmonize? all that? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I do like the word balance, just for certain
0: contexts.
1: You know, given that biologically I don't have kids of my own. You know, it's it's hard for me to exactly say what that looks like because, and it's so unique to a person's community that they live in. What are the norms of that community? How do we create spaces within these places that we live where it is okay to explore yourself? Yeah, I think it's kind of like, again, starting from a place where a kid a really young kid has limited choices Mm -hmm. like do you want to eat spaghetti or do you want to eat a salad right you you get to pick right starting from that place of choice and agency and then over time gradually giving them more responsibility and choice for themselves and not feeling like You have to be in control of all of that. But then
0: how do you, on top of that, instill a a framework within them that is purpose-driven?
1: I think the parent themselves needs to have purpose in their lives. And the parent has to have a good understanding of of themselves and really feel like they have purpose within themselves. Because if if they're not connected to some kind of purpose in their lives, and again, just by having a kid, you inherently have purpose, Mm -hmm. but... What do you see as that purpose when when it comes to taking care of your kid? Is it, again, to help them follow this path of success, in quotes, and make sure that this is the structure that they're following? Mm -hmm. Or is your purpose to cultivate this being that already innately has gifts? Mm -hmm. You know, again, the systems that we have now do not necessarily support that modality of thinking or that way of being Mm -hmm. so within your home how are you being intentional and thoughtful and making choices around creating that type of environment and by living more consciously and thoughtfully yourself and taking better care of your own well-being how are you building community for yourself not just necessarily the people that live right next to you But how are you building community with people who are also on their own path of self-development and growth, and want to actually legitimately create new cultural norms? Hmm. And so, you know, I heard a great quote, which is, "Power is the ability to change the rules," and that that can mean many things, because if you can change law, you have power. If you can change the code that you're designing products with, you have power. If you can change the unwritten rules of culture, you have power. And so it's about helping people understand that they have power within themselves. And we, as people, when we band together have the power to shift the unwritten rules of culture. Mm -hmm. And I think cultural change will always precede political change. If you can change things from the bottom up, that shifts everything from the top down.
0: Yeah. So you told me to ask you about what redefining homeschooling and home economics are. I feel like there's some tangential connection. <laughs> um, I I, uh,
1: I I I love to. I think one of the beautiful things, and also kind of one of the scary things about the English language is that you can layer meanings into a word. Oh. So one of those words I really got into the, the layers of meanings of is home, right? And we have an understanding of what homeschooling is, right? In a very, very narrow sense. But what if we were to redefine what homeschooling actually is? Because if you think about all the things you call home or would like to call home, your heart is your home, your body is your home, the relationships that you have with other people are home, your residence is your home, your community is your home, earth is your home. These are all things you call home or would like to call home, mm-hmm. right? You don't, You can't necessarily call all those things home. And so homeschooling would help teach you how to feel like you're at home in all of those places and situations and relationships that you have mm-hmm. okay so what's homework well homework is the inner work and outer work that you have to do to feel like you're at home wow. right and that's an ongoing Boom. process
0: <laughs> that's <was> mind-blowing <laughs> homework never ends that's what every kid wants to do <laughs>
1: well if it was as cool as the homework that i'm talking about they would totally I be in there i love
0: this kind of homework it's never ending for me yeah
1: exactly Say it one more time.
0: What is the definition of homework?
1: Homework is the inner work and outer work that you have to do to feel like you're at home in, in your heart, in your body, in the relationships that you have with people, in your residence, in your community, in your home, with your family, with earth. And I mean, if you even expand beyond that, the definition of home, you know, what's home economics? We used to have home ec class where you might learn how to like bake something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we were to like really deepen what that actually means, well, home economics is a system of value that doesn't destroy our home in whatever sense we think of it at any costs. Right. Right. We value and prioritize home and we can create a system of value and exchange off of that. I mean, even if you look at the root, that's self-worth. Right. If you look at the the root of the word economy, the etymology of it, it means management of household resources, literally.
0: Hmm. So that's the work, play, love, health. That's the connection with community, contact with nature, sense of purpose. Yep. Wow. I love that. I love that. And then also it reminds me of like the difference between teaching and educating. Teaching is I, from the outside, give you all these things I tell you how to do X, Y, and Z. Educating is like drawing from within and drawing out from within. Yeah, I want to be an educator more than just a teacher. Parenting with that education paradigm, with that reframe of what it means to homeschool and manage the resources of the home. That's powerful. Did you come up with that? I think so. (laughs) I, I, there might be somebody out there talking that's about it. Life changing wisdom. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's worthy of going on Oprah show and stuff. Over.
1: <laughs> Maybe I can get her to come out of retirement and have a show, her show back, just so I could
0: talk about it. Podcast that. Are oh, about, does she have a podcast? Like, yeah, I didn't know. Super that. Soul Conversations. I like it a lot. That's how I found out about Dr. Chafali's because Oprah's a big fan of her, and they've done like three interviews on her podcast about conscious parenting. All right, let's talk about purpose for a little bit. We haven't been talking about purpose? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that's true. i just want to talk about more like as a concept now. Okay. Like not as tied into your medium in which you affect change around purpose, but more just about larger scale understandings of purpose. Okay. What's the lesson on purpose that took you the longest to learn? Hmm. I
1: think it's uh... – Oftentimes, and I, and I found this within myself that you're always trying to figure out like, what's my thing, you know, what, what's my thing that gives me purpose that is like going to always be my thing, right? Mm -hmm. And how I express myself in the world. And I think thinking about it in that term or in those terms is stifling and it makes you feel like. Ah, that's, like, too big a question for me to even comprehend. Like you're
0: saying, like, a job is going to equate to purpose or making this team. What what is my thing that I'm
1: bringing into the world that is my purpose? Oh, okay. okay. Instead of thinking of, like, what's my next thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, given all the experiences that I've collected in my life and things that I've learned, where am I going next? Like, what's my next exploration? Because I think the more you think about it in those terms, the more that you're able to see the intersection of all of the things that you have been learning and the experiences that you've collected that will kind of naturally grow into like what your thing is,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And I think there's a, you know, I experienced it myself and so many people in our generation where it's like, they have so many ingredients to do something like really profoundly impactful in the world Mm -hmm. and because they're thinking of like what the grandest scale of that thing is they go okay i can't do that right now there's like no way and they just focus on whatever it is that they have to do or feel like they have to
0: do in order to get by yeah, that's sad to me. That is a huge motivation for this podcast. This is someone might hear one sentence from one person and then it clicks that they can that they can reach that grand thing or they don't even have to reach that grand thing, but they can move towards it one more and the world needs that. Yeah.
1: So that took me a while to learn.
0: <laughs> Good answer. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced serving your purpose? There's no one right answer. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the wording makes it seem like you have to pick the most yeah different. yeah 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 just any beautiful thing that
1: I I think the the mere fact that by doing my work it means that I have to take good care of my own well-being you know if if I'm really embodying the values of my organization and I'm I'm happy Gabby that means that I have to do the homework right yeah. and I cultivate all these practices for myself and that's my job. Like, that's legit part of my job, which is a beautiful thing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Same with me. I take on that too, as identifying as you know ambassador of purpose for others in, in this area. And yeah, I take that homework as well. Yeah. So that's beautiful to you that you have that ongoing homework to cultivate Happy Gabby.
1: Yeah, not only that, also the fact that as part of being myself on purpose, that means that I also... Have the privilege of spending more time with my family. Right. Right. Again, that's part of my job is making sure that I'm taking care of my mom and that I get to spend time with my nieces. Right. And I'm constantly learning in the process of doing those things. That's so beautiful.
0: That leads me to I think I might know your answer already, but what's something you're grateful for right now that may be perceived as a misfortune by others? Mm, Yeah. You know, as I, I mentioned, caregiving for my mother
1: a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And again, people will think, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, And yes, it's like really sad. And I'm like, obviously heartbroken about it in some ways. And it gives me purpose. It gives me an understanding of what it means to be a parent in, in some ways. Mm hmm. It's very similar in some ways to, you know, raising a kid very different in others as well. And I'm learning amazing lessons in patience and acceptance and forgiveness. Mm. You know, all of these things ultimately increase my capacity to love unconditionally Mm -hmm. and is helping me more fully grow into the person that I want to be. And so while, of course, it is incredibly difficult and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, there is so much that you can learn through through that process. And my mom and I are the closest
0: that we've ever been. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be beautiful. Yeah. Level of intimacy
1: with your mom. It's really quite amazing, uh, <laughs> actually. I, I, I'm super, super grateful for it in, in that way. And uh, I'm not saying that we want anyone to go through that, but... There's always something very deep and profound that can come from these experiences where where you really are being challenged and tested.
0: Right. Yeah. Thank you for all that work that you're doing. I'm sure she's super grateful and your family is. And I feel your energy about like you carry a, a depth to it. You're not just like marketing yourself as a purpose person. Like you're you're doing it. It's hard work, too. in that kind of environment that's like Yeah, it probably draws a lot out of you. It takes a lot of your energy, time, your focus, attention. Which is why I have to prioritize my own self-care. Because if I don't,
1: I'm not showing up for my family in the way that I can. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm perfect either, right? I have blind spots. I make mistakes. But the more that I am giving my time and care and attention to it, the more I'm cultivating awareness and the more... I'm able to mitigate any of those mistakes from happening in the future. And it's really, it's brought our family closer together as well, which is also a a beautiful
0: thing. Yeah. Do you think you're going to be a parent one day?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not anytime in the next few years, just because I feel like I can be more, I can serve more people by not having a kid right now Uh (laughs) than if I were to be a parent, because it, it is, it, takes so much of you who you are and it's worth it i'm sure for people who are are parenting their own children but again i, I want to elevate this and, and think about it from a broader lens of like what it means to be a steward of life mm-hmm. and how someone who's a caregiver or a mentor or a teacher or an educator how they have the capacity to help children grow and learn
0: one more part of the equation that we didn't talk about yet was choosing a partner to parent with Mm. do you have any insights into into that that's a whole other component (laughs) you don't just get to choose to have a child you got to have a a person that share that child with i'm i'm i don't currently have a, a
1: partner myself i think because i'm doing so much work to be a better version of myself naturally i'm going to be finding I'll come across more people who I connect with in a very deep way. And it's, you know, I would say that love is not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can find love, loving relationships with a lot of people. You have to also find somebody that you can grow with who sees you for who you are and understands you in a deep way and also wants to grow together and also as individuals mm-hmm. right and and really respect that you have work to do by yourself
0: right i hope all the aspiring mothers are listening to this eligible bachelor right here <laughs> <laughs> well ideally that they're they're not already mothers aspiring
1: mothers it, aspiring mothers <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean i'm opposed to finding
0: someone who is already a mother but yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool so is there anything else you want to add before we talk about how people can get connected to Happy and um, start to sign off?
1: Man, we've covered a lot today.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to, like, have something really powerful to, to leave people with. And I also want to respect the fact that, like, nothing in particular is coming up for me. I'm, you know, I'm, I left it all out on the
0: floor. Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. on your bedroom floor. <laughs> Especially vacuum, so it can take some more. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. How can people get connected to the Happy Network? What kind of visions do you have for it? Yeah, so
1: if people want to reach out to me, uh, right now I'm doing lots of local community workshops because that's what I have the capacity for. Local meaning Bay Area. Local, local meaning the Bay Area at schools, different spaces, community spaces that will have me. Mm-hmm. working on getting an ongoing and consistent space that i can work out of i think that's one of the difficult parts around building local communities is if you're not in a consistent space on like a consistent time or schedule it's hard for people to find you and keep <sighs> totally coming feel in. That. yeah
0: i'm going to the same questions like i want to be local but i'm still so like wanting to see the world and be global and i got life in different areas of the globe i can't just plant myself as much as i I know is required to be really impactful
1: yeah and I think that's a paradox that many of us live in where you want to feel deeply rooted in community and you want to be able to adventure and travel and experience new things and meet new people and learn from everything there is to learn from that's something that you know I've, I've struggled with myself and I continue to struggle with as I've done a really good job building global community now that I've gained all of this knowledge and, and wisdom what how, how am I using it? How am I using it to deepen my roots here? And uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but yeah, if you want to reach out to me, you can go to uh, happy.org, H-A-P-P-I.org. And I'm also part of another group, trade collective professionals and organizations called digital wellness collective. We are working collaboratively to enhance human relationships by supporting the intentional use and development of technology. So, Not only educating people on how to use it better and and more like a tool, but also what to do when you're not using technology and and how you can build more habits and and find more meaningful connections and experiences that really do help nourish who you are and, and, and more of the person that you want to be. And also advocating for it to be designed in a way to support our well-being, right? Not seeing us as a resource that's meant to be extracted, but as a perhaps a regenerative ecosystem of mm-hmm. abundant resources. All right. So that's digitalwellnesscollective.com if you're interested in learning more about that. Yeah, I hope that some of what was shared today in some way and in some capacity resonated with you. And it's something that you're not just seeing as information, but as, as something that you can integrate into your life and, and work
0: towards transformation with. hmm yeah, I know like for me personally, I, I have tons of those little points. I was taking notes here during our conversation. Ooh. I just want to like acknowledge the, the way that you think outside the box. You're on a path that's very much your own. And I really respect that. I think that you do a lot to bring forth the, the gifts and be more conscious of the gifts that you were born with. And to affect positive change, like you said. I like how you you are proud of your ability to have a global impact. And I think you're right to be proud of that, based on what we've talked about. I think that how you're able to start to, to cultivate physical community is really inspiring to me. That's where I want to start heading with my podcast. Um, like you're running workshops, like that's just awesome. That's really cool. You're going out and getting it, and you're not. It's not about seeking more wealth or more pleasure or more joy for yourself. Although those things probably will come. But you're actually like infusing a sense of purpose and having that ripple effect you talked about. And I uh, just really like that. I want to like champion that spirit. And hopefully, others, I'm sure people listening will capture even at least 1% of that essence <laughs> that you carry. I know they're not with us in the space right now, but it's been a really joyful experience for me to get to know you over the past few hours. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Tanner. Thank you for also having the awareness and the intention to create your own path and to invite more of what you want to see in the world into your space
0: so what actionable step are you going to take next do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. If you have any friends that might have enjoyed this episode or the podcast, bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer-form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sails and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming.